And there you have I Saw by Young Fathers, suggested by Joe Gallagher. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> due to Discord noise uh, correction, I still really couldn't hear it. But uh, uh, perhaps you got to the part I really like, which is very TV on the radio chorus that comes in. Um, just uh, at the very end, as I started to fade, we got a little bit of a breathy vocal background thing going. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah nice. Good beat by Young Fathers. Uh, perhaps mm-hmm. uh, best known for their infamous album title, White Men Are Black Men Too. Yeah. When you brought them up and I said, oh, I've heard of them. I couldn't place it, and then I was looking at their discography, and I was like, that's what I remember. <laughs> um, because, you know, once you hear the truth, you can never forget it. That, <laughs> yes. Um, well, in their uh, Spotify picture, they're, um, it appears it's to be two, two black guys and a white guy, And right? they're all hugging. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they're like, they're, there's a, that they have a standpoint uh rights to say this I think, yeah they're everybody does. yeah um and uh seemed to be suitably weird but i liked that song it was first i'd heard of them yeah uh, i've liked them when i've listened to them before too they're yeah good. uh but i have no further information other than hey that album came out in 2022 uh which i feel was uh a pretty good year for music i i mean i, I just have... listen yeah i listened to a lot Go of ahead. good stuff I unfortunately have been like behind the whole year. So that too. Yeah. Um, right now. So like, yeah, I was thinking about the year in music. So I looked up the pitchfork best of list and number one on it. Do you want it? it I've read it. I've read it. I've stopped caring. Yes. Yeah. Number one on it is Beyonce. Yeah. And mostly I'm now trying to find a high res cover view of the image cover Mm. because like, what is even, this is ridiculous can't say i've looked into it oh well it's just like you know it's like as naked as a woman has ever been on the cover of a rap album Hmm. um and you know uh they're the she her physique is impressive so i'm just trying to figure out what's even going on honestly it's more of a scientific than erotic inquiry Hmm. um but uh yeah so yeah I felt like it wasn't a, <clears throat> it wasn't a particularly um, strong year for me uh, in terms of sitting down to listen to music. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was pretty poor for me. Well, I, I, I've listened to some some vinyl on my my main stereo, but like my keeping up with all the new music thing has been poor. Yes, but I think that. Um, I don't know what I did listen to uh, was was good. good. Yeah. Yeah. There's some good stuff. I feel like music's at a good point right now because there's uh, this, this, I mean, our music, indie, indie rock and pop. uh, I feel like the, you know, alternative grunge revival has matured to the point. There's a lot of good rock bands out there. There are just the, the, the average, the replacement level. Rock band's pretty high at this yeah. juncture. Yeah, you know, like Hoko Fest was uh, the festival local to Tucson that I, we talked about on our last episode very recently. And um, uh, yeah, that was basically a replacement level music fest, and there were a bunch of interesting acts I'd heard of there, you know? So you can, uh, 
you can definitely make things happen. Um, what's your uh, what's your album of the year, Paul? I'm I'm really not qualified to say because, for instance, <laughs> I haven't. Oh no, you I must choose. You must. I haven't <laughs> listened to the Kendrick album. Like that's stupid. <laughs> um, uh, so far, among albums, I definitely remember coming out in 2022. It would have to be old favorites, The Smile, or, uh, uh, you know, Big Thief. Yeah, but yeah. There's got to be some other choices out there. That's unfortunately like that's where we're at. We just we had to listen to those, and they they were awesome. They were and really good. <laughs> uh, you know, it 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 somewhat satisfied. <laughs> yes. Oh no. I mean, like, uh, we were ecstatic about Big Thief last time we talked to him with good reason. Yeah. Um. Um, but and, yeah, I just need to, I just need to hit fast forward and skip all the crap that I try to listen to at least something of every time. Yeah. Catch up. I, 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 I would say for me, um, looking at my, um, my list, things I listened to that were good. Uh, the new war paint album, uh, oh, yeah. was good. That, that was great live. Um, Julia Jacqueline uh, has a new album called Pre-Pleasure that was very good. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the an- new Animal Collective album, probably my favorite Animal Collective album that I've ever, uh, that I've listened oh. to. Um, yeah. um, I I think I got to that one. But I don't, I'm not like a huge Animal Collective fan, so it probably is skewed. My opinion here is... Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I like a few albums animal collective fan not like a yeah. completist or anything time skips yeah i did listen to it and i liked it yeah uh um, i think you liked it more than me which is yeah good. but that's, that's you know yeah i i didn't but i don't want to like get crazy about it either ty siegel yeah. we played one of the songs from his album mm-hmm. uh and uh, that's a good one um oh and this horse girl album came out in 2022 that was excellent. Hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't hear that one. I'm, I'm just ad- admitting to yeah. Horse um, and a movie called Horse Girl. Yeah, I think they're one of those bands where I'm pretty sure they're like 18 years old. Yeah, these uh, pictures look like they're 18 years. Uh huh. Well, that's a great album. That if you like, you know, uh, straight down the okay. line alternative rock music. Right. Um, the way the 18 year olds are doing it. That's, that's one for you. Yeah. Penelope Lowenstein and Nora Chang and Gigi Rice. Those are pretty good names for a girl band. They are. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I also enjoyed, uh, an album by, uh, Mob Frati, Mabe Frati. Go with Mabe. Yes. Which we'll get into later in the pod. Uh, another highlight. See, I listened to <laughs> half dozen albums. <laughs> no um for real i like i think i'm on like april or something of last year and trying to catch up uh mundu mokhtar we talked about yeah uh, the, yep, that, there was the, that uh um, Victim, good album what did, I, what did i actually like buy this year hold on richard cheese new album besame queso <laughs> <laughs> he's got de- uh wap on there Great WAP. Do you say WAP or do you say WAP? Uh, 
Me, I would. Oh, or I would, would say, you just not? Would you just not abbreviate it? <laughs> I think WAP. I guess is what I would say. I guess that's how I say uh, it in my mind. Okay, uh, so the Black Country New Road album, Ants from Up There, that was really good. Oh, I got to listen to that. that. It's so good. Okay. Um, Page of the Lion released a good album, mm. as he often does. I listened to that once, but need to do it again. Yeah. Uh, Rap Ferreira. Okay. He had a good one, uh, a.k.a. Milo, previously discussed on this podcast. Mm. Um, he's now Rap Ferreira. Um, oh, wait, never mind. That was a previous year. Never mind. That was 2021. <clears throat> All right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Daniel Rawson, uh, the, uh, I, I thought he was just Grizzly Bear, but I guess Grizzly Bear is a band. He's, no, they're totally a band. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, the, the, the lead singer of Grizzly Bear, uh, had a solo album that was good. Okay. I would listen to that. It's very, I don't know. So I mean, it's sort of like I want to call it medieval yeah. Dungeons and Dragons indie acoustic. Huh. Well, strange. two it's, weeks is going to be stuck in my head now. Or wait, yes. what is, it, is it one week? What is the same? No, it's two weeks. two weeks. Two weeks. Yes. Good song. Yes, one week is a much worse song. Good song, and I still have to listen to the new Ezra Furman album because his albums are good. Uh. Okay, so we just named some albums. Good mm-hmm. for us. Good for us. Paul, do you have any resolutions uh, that would apply to anything related to this pod for 2023? Mm, I resolve to see Big Thief one way or another. There we go. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. Um, we'll have to discuss that off air uh-huh. um, or on air. Where do you want? Where are you going to go see Big Thief? We're going to go to Florida. We could do Florida. Where was that? Where? When was that? February, March? I think it was February. Ah, uh, February is tough. Yeah. <sighs> okay, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll discuss it off here. <laughs> yeah, our plan to uh, the epic yeah. Europe trip to see them is uh, so poorly timed for me. Yeah. Um, Alas. We'll look at their tour dates again. We must figure it out. They need to be seen. Uh, just come here for the first week of February, come to Gabe's birthday party at the arcade, and then we'll drive to Philly the next night and see nice. them. <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've, th- I've, th- I've thought about it. We'll see. We'll figure it out. Um, yeah. Um, I, my resolution as relating to music, not just to music, and it's not, I don't want to call it a resolution, but I have... Uh, yet I have resolved uh, to neither um, hide nor elevate my opinions, but simply to state mm. them. Yeah, that's about right. That's what yeah. you should do. Yeah, you could even, you know, you can, you can even explicate them. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, there's no need to be like. You can say, yeah, I like this. It's cool. Mm-hmm. If you don't. That's fine. Yeah, like ah, this is my opinion, and you know what? It's that's not really a big deal. No, don't worry yeah. about it. That's hey, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, this is. being a show where we talk about our opinions, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a new. Uh, it can be fun to do, and if you don't like somebody's opinions, you just don't listen to them. That's it's great. a new way for it to be irreverent and uh, not give a fuck in the context of this show. 
uh-huh. you know? <laughs> um, yep. Now at work is where it's challenging, but you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It is. Uh, but you know, you just, you can still be polite. Yeah. 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 But sometimes your opinion does matter. <laughs> yes. It still matter. It's still a fact. I mean, but you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's probably better if this is limited more towards opinion, my opinion of of art and cultural matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether twenty twenty two was a good year. Yeah, that kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. Um, right. Whether Top Gun Maverick <laughs> is uh, a triumph <laughs> of classic mainstream cinema or uh, just unwatchable. Uh, plotless <laughs> crap um you know that uh well i haven't watched it so i guess my vote must be unwatchable unwatchable is harsh but uh um missable that's where you're you're in the right i'd mm. call it missable um mm. uh, mm. but no one else would and that's fine <laughs> that's fine that is totally fine yeah i'm glad they're seeing top gun and enjoying when the get the jets go vroom. yeah yeah <laughs> I mean that's great. Yeah. Um uh, and I do like Tom Cruise. I mean everybody likes Tom Cruise. There's no reason not to. He's the most likable Scientologist by far. He is. Well, Beck. Yeah. Mm, Beck mm. seems pretty chill. Yeah. <laughs> but see the problem is being a Scientologist makes Beck less likable. So it's it's it kind does. of a different Different. I mean, what if Tom Cruise weren't a Scientologist? It's kind of hard to even imagine that. Yeah. Whereas nobody thinks of Beck as being a Scientologist, so that's easy to imagine. Right, right. Yeah, it seems to affect more like Elizabeth Moss, someone like that, where you're like, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm I just, guess... I'm just thinking about Scientology and laughing now. It's just... <laughs> Where does I wonder? You know, where does Scientology rate on like the, um, like throughout history, uh-huh. uh, even like let's say you know, uh, the the you know AD. Um, I don't know how crazy is Scientology in terms of like something to be into. It's probably, it's probably normal it's, crazy. Yeah, it's just the the fact that like its origins are so obvious and. Mm-hmm. the running of it so nakedly mercenary and uh, cultish. Yeah. Like, it just seems hard to miss that this one is not real. Um, whereas if, you know, you get it if, like, you were raised... I mean, you know, I guess at this point, there are a lot of these people who have been raised as Scientologists, including maybe Beck. Yes, um, that's why Beck is a Scientologist. And yeah. yeah. So, you, I mean, I get it. If you were raised as it, then... Yeah, that's just what people do. Which is sad. Um, it's sad. Yeah. Well, you know, it yeah. is sad. But again, again, you'd have to be mad at almost everybody who ever lived if you were going to be that mad about this. Yeah, that's um, true. That's true. Um, um, but yeah, I still, it just seems like I, I, I can, if you, if you believe in, you know, uh, Shinto or something like, at least people have been believing in that for four thousand years or whatever. That's an excuse. Yeah, and uh, you know, just much, much cooler. Yeah, also that, and also just not less, less of the creepy cult stuff and obvious uh, 
uh, pyramid scheme money stuff. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like some sort of at least useful moral framework. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there's some good teaching in your uh, in your um, Scientology classes. There's also all the bullshit about you know suppressive people and kicking anybody who questions your bullshit out of your life. But mm-hmm. I'm sure they also give you some good tips on handling your emotions and everything. Your emotions about you know not being willing to admit that you're gay uh, to the public. Those kinds of things. Uh-huh. That's, I mean, that's a powerful emotion. <laughs> it's fueled the whole career. The first whole uh, careers. Yeah, the first couple paragraphs of the uh, Shinto Wikipedia article are fascinating. I don't know mm. much about the Shinto religion, but there's no central authority in control yeah. of Shinto. No, it's like an it's like a just the the world's most refined animism, just believing that. Every rock and tree and mountain mm-hmm. and river has a spirit in it. I mean, that's just right there. Much, please, please believe that instead of Scientology. Please go for <laughs> so much better, so much yeah, better. Awesome. You right. probably do. You probably do have a sense of it because, like, uh, I think I think of uh, like in Hayao Miyazaki movies. You know, yeah. When, when they're like little spirits and ghosts and things like burbling out of the natural world and taking over things in forms like i think of those as being very clearly like you know animated shinto spirit mm-hmm. type things yeah so you've got the I, th- I think that transmits the aesthetic to the western viewer even if he does not know the practices yes that is a that is a good point good uh good work there paul you're welcome that was a, a competent or not a competent an outstanding um <laughs> uh example um damn we got into shinto all right that's all we're not gonna talk about 20 <laughs> uh, i don't know all this we got into, no, Shin- we we got into shinto on this spot yes now officially um <clears throat> into we're now it. a shinto podcast yeah <laughs> it's gonna be weekly lessons <laughs> about how to cleanse Ka- yourself ritually kami worship uh, yeah um kami avoidance for the bad kami mm. um but like yeah, like Pokemon, like I, you know, there's a Shinto element to that. You know, it's all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just in general, the Shin, like, that'd be I'd read about like the very the religion, the influence of the various like religions of Japan on like early Nintendo games. Oh yeah, that'd be interesting. I want to know, like, yeah, like to me, actually, I've always wondered this. Um. The way that like the Final Fantasy games do like have created a new sort of like fractured uh, uh, aesthetic from uh, Euro fantasy setting, you know, where like now uh, JRPG and anime, like anime ha- and Japanese culture, have a whole like fantasy setting that they do themselves that is like clearly based on Western stuff, but has been. Uh-huh you know, uh, culturally appropriated in an awesome way. Um, so like, my question is just like, how did that happen? Like, <laughs> like it's, I would just love to, I would, I would read a, I would read a coffee table book tracing the lineage of Western fantasy, uh, tropes in Japanese art and how it happened. Yeah. Because I mean, there's, there is a, in final fantasy in Zelda, there's that sense of the quest 
yeah. like picking up sacred objects on the way to battle. Yeah, and you've got little like Euro elves, and everybody has white skin and blonde hair, as everybody notices about anime and stuff. Right, yes. Um, and there's like a princess in a castle and all that shit. Um, like a very Western castle often, too. Um, and it's like Western swords and bows and stuff, more so than than Japanese samurai dressed up guys. So it's always been interesting to me. That's true. That's true. The weaponry is very uh, uh, European. Yeah. Even the the style of magic used is kind of more. Yeah. You know, dra- uh, yeah. European clearly, co- like, yeah. Yeah. They they got all this from European fairy tales, I assume, and we're like, oh, this is cool. But I mean, it's like, I don't know. Um, I maybe there maybe there is culture like this for us, but like, imagine if we had taken. Imagine if there was like a huge genre. I guess maybe this does exist. Tell me. A huge genre of like Americans making stories like set in in medieval Japan. Like, you know, such that well, it becomes its own thing that takes its own tropes. Is there is there some version of that that we have? I mean, I'm not sure since we don't have like this industry to demonstrate it the same way as Final Fantasy, as, as you know, these video games. I mean, we have a yeah. fascination with samurai culture and with sure, yeah. kung fu. You know, those sort of, if you're thinking about, like, heroes using the um, uh, yeah. stories and techniques like... of that, of, of, you know, what we regard as Asian or, you know, that. Yeah, maybe John Wick is an example of this. Like, John Wick <laughs> is a white guy. Yeah fighting non-Asian people in what is basically like a super slick souped up Kung Fu movie. Yeah. I mean that, you know, Japanese savage beast could be asking why, uh, you know, the matrix, uh, is a bunch of Kung Fu fighting. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, yes. I think, okay. So we did it with Kung Fu movies. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Okay. That's, we got it. And also we, uh, <laughs> Japanese savage beast. <laughs> Uh man, those guys would be awesome. Yeah, um, I would love to meet those guys. <laughs> yeah, um, um, there must be there must be guys like us in Japan. I don't know. Oh yeah, what is <laughs> what, so? Wait, yeah, of course. Yeah, why not? I mean, they're what they're they're certainly hipster. Yeah, what uh, am I suggesting? That fans. Japanese people can't be awesome. That's crazy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh man. That okay. reminds me next the next pod um we're going to review uh the like for the first time in like decades this like weird Japanese experimental rock band from the 70s like some of their archival Ooh. archive was released. Um, okay. And they're I'll kind listen of, to that. Yeah, famously they like famously avoided recording music um uh-huh. even though they were uh you know, quite influential and sought after at the time. Dang. Um, Sounds cool. Yeah. So we'll listen to that next. Wait, I'm going to get the, um, the name of the band. Um, and now nah, I'm not going to find it. Um, oh no, here it is. I did find it. Load article load. I won't be able to say it. Le, le de nudes. Okay. Yeah. 
the most insane psychedelic noise rock band with doo-wop bass lines you'll ever hear. Okay. Yeah. Um, That sounds so Japanese. Yeah. Um, Okay. But that's for the next pod. Um, Mm -hmm. Right now we're chugging along. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about, uh, but uh, I did have one more bullshit one more bullshit thing bullshit intro thing um i came about this in a couple different ways but um i was was trying to um figure out what the fermi's paradox of music was um Mm -hmm. you can imagine my state of mind when i started thinking about this uh um like there can't be music better than what we're listening to because I'm, I'm trying to, okay, I'll let you explain. Well, that's I mean that's I I was trying I was I was trying to come up with a, what a paradox would be that would you know align with Fermi's paradox, which is why um, we've probably talked about it on the pod, but it's basically why are there why have we not detected uh, alien life forms? Um, the universe should be full of them, just given the yes. Um, you know, the massive size and the number of stars and planets. Um, so many, there are many theories, you know, if there's a great filter that stops life from being formed, you know, something happens to all these civilizations at a certain points going to happen to us. Um, mm-hmm. Or we're the only ones who got past like the multi- multicellular life um, great filter, which gets, you know, could get like 99.999% places with life um yeah anyway with music (coughs) i think i came down to other than thinking about playing the beatles for aliens um and whether uh you know if you put a a bird from earth on an alien world would they like find a tree um (laughs) (laughs) uh what uh what do you think the chances are that like we have developed the best music <laughs> possible yeah for um, our civil you know for our civilization where we are now uh and like is there a great filter for like did we get past some sort of uh point i think this implies a sort of culturally unmoderated understanding of the quality of music that can't exist is what i would say yeah um uh so the question would sort of be like did scene x in place y at time z make the best music they could have that would be kind of an interesting question like did we get the most out of the punk revolution or something like that yeah um did we did we get the most out of, you know, Vienna in the early 1800s mm. um, and their classical stuff? Um, and that would be a that would be a question to research for each of those situations. But like, um, N- yeah, the no. next great music we make will be necessarily different from all other music before it just because culture will be different. and People will have different tastes. It's kind of how I think about this. Yeah. Um, and and. <laughs> You know, there are obviously there's so many variables involved in that that you would have to find some sort of um, crucial variable that came and severely limited 
like yeah. the quality of music throughout the world. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, you'd have no, to be, not... you'd have to make a strong argument that you know global capitalism is you know like created the Beatles and they destroyed music. You know, something <laughs> like that. You'd have to you'd have to go in that direction. Yeah, and I'm not worried about that because music can thankfully at the end of the day always be made. Mm-hmm. by the people at any time and place. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, just, like, your appreciation of music is so culturally conditioned. Like, I think, you know, uh, I think about my opinions and how um, worthy they are of being elevated, as you said earlier. Um, and it feels as if, you know, I've got some some kind of objective view of how good music is and stuff like that. But honestly, like, if you listen to music from other cultures, you're like, the fuck this is garbage a lot of the time um a lot of time it's awesome but a lot of the times it's like i just don't even get what these people are doing yeah um with some of this stuff and obviously they're into it um and obviously they feel the same way about a lot of our music so right um the music of the future will be different because like people will actually want to hear other they will like other things that we can't predict i don't know and that music will be better for that culture in a lot of ways uh will it be more fitting to its culture than music of previous times or will it last into other will it will it be uh so good that future cultures respect it more um that's actually kind of a good question have we made the last music that will really last you know Um, yeah well i mean i think that you know there will be people who i did to call them like you know, elite people with elite taste, elitist taste, people with high taste, people with a strong passion for music like us. Mm-hmm. And the existence of those people who want to get more into music and need um they need they have to there has to be music to satisfy that need. There so there will yeah. always be something there will always be something created for those people to to seek out like there will always be something yeah. or that they like come to collect that you know the us of the future comes to collectively regard as you know music only fit for consumption um yeah of now of course the some people who taste. go down this some people who go down this uh this um elitist path uh do end up just getting into some old kind of music, like people who are just into jazz or uh, just into classical or something like that, um, and deciding that nothing new actually is very interesting. Although even those people, I think, usually try to, you know, at least keep up with new stuff in their sort of uh, little niche fields. Um, so yeah. you know, like new jazz is being made, new classical is being made. Uh, this this respected. This book I'm I'm reading, which I've I've sent you a few quotes from, called "Really the Blues." Uh-huh. Um, by a, uh, a blues musician from the early and mid 20th century. Um, he may have come up with, he may have offered one of my favorite elitist opinions, which is that um, musicians who can read music are lame. Like they're not, tr- <laughs> yes. they're not true musicians. Like if you, if yes. you can read music, you're not a true musician. You should just be, you should just know it and be able to play it. I love it. Um, I can see why jazz guys would be like that. Yeah. And, you know, not to bring up one of our hobby horses, it's, it is very interesting, uh, that, uh, 
Johnny Greenwood is classically trained in music and knows how to write scores and everything. And Tom York d- can't read music at all. And Johnny tells him you can't learn. It's don't. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, that is, that is, it's super interesting that, you know, arguably the most, uh, I mean, you, <clears throat> it's hard to say they definitely aren't the best pop songwriting duo of the, you know, rock era. Um, so it is interesting that they have that dynamic. Um, I'm happy to say that about them, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think if you combine, uh, yeah, if you if you want somebody who's both popular and elite, uh, it's hard to do better. Very very hard. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. we could just we can just assume this is the best music. Obviously, the best music <laughs> possible has been created for us. Yes, the music that we liked in our youth is the best. I think everybody agrees about that. Yeah, yeah. Some some weird dude in Georgia got obsessed with uh, Anne Frank and turned that into <laughs> one of the greatest alternative rock albums of all time. That seems pretty yeah. fortunate. I don't know. Did I say last time that I've been that I learned how to play like not actually play well, but at least pick out O Comely on piano, and it's very fun. Yes, you did. I'm sure I said that. Yeah. You did say that. I was at my sister's this weekend and was doing was playing that song and then figured out uh, uh, "Only Skin" by Joanna Newsom, which is also fun to just plink out. And then, of course, it's a it's funny because like they've got this nice grand piano, and I'm just like screwing around on it. And then all four of my sister's children are like good piano players, <laughs> and they'll come in and just like do something with chords. The, the littlest one can't do chords, but she like can, she learned old, uh, good King Wenceslas by ear. She says, so that's uh, impressive. Yeah. She's like six. So that's mm. pretty good. Um, well, I was teaching my daughter twinkle, twinkle, little star on her piano. Um, we're far that's... from the point here. Let's, uh, play, um, the best song, entire universe so far our theme song yes yes and you don't stop cool like the best rapper you don't stop another fucking hundred fucking dollar for the stop for you and your mind come on yeah you can never define anything but divine love i'm a savage beast <laughs> slightly above average at least nah preference is relative my reference is consistently uh bring you to another vicinity i hit you with the riddles consistently Dead in the middle, a little triply, little did we know that we triggered a fissure in the metaphysical imagery, elegant painted in oil. Love is a flower, see how dissolving the power is dissolving the hours as well. The tower, a bell at the top of it, a hawk, a pigeon, a dove, a vision of love, an eagle, a falcon, even the gold coin in the talon that was um, prophesized upon earlier papyruses, gazing to the irises of infinite Osiris's hieroglyphs. And welcome to Savage Beast. I'm Joe Gallagher. Uh, and with me as always, uh, he is the uh, unholy union of a uh, of a level eight Siamese dream and a level eight uh, Kendrick Lamar damn album. Um, <laughs> <laughs> augmented by uh, a, a sacred turntable. It's Paul McLeod. This is your stupidest intro yet. That's um, pretty bad. <laughs> it could All have right. been really uh, simple, but yeah, no. If 
the only explanation to everybody is just look up vampire survivors. Yes. Um, we'll see, and we'll see you hours and hours later. (laughs) Yeah. If you have children, this is a great, great thing to get into. Uh, I just, um, I just had to go. Um, Alex heard something rustling in the garbage cans outside and, uh, (laughs) she wasn't concerned, but you know, I got to go out with a big stick and see what's rustling. Mm-hmm. Never know what you find, a fox, a raccoon, mm-hmm. a possum. But mm-hmm. sadly, I found nothing. A murderer? Just, that would be fun. I Not if they were murdering me, but if just like, yeah. oh, hey, I'm a murderer. I oh. feel like, you know, like... Y- you know, you getting murdered, it's like, eh, you know, not great. But, like, you, you'd you be pretty bummed about your family potentially also getting murdered. That's the real bummer. Yeah, that would be bad. Yeah. Um, our neighbors did just get uh, burgled. Murdered? No. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, w- I would have let you know. You know, I think if my immediate neighbors were murdered, yeah. uh, and also I'd maybe let the, the whole... squad know. The whole trash, the whole trash wrestling scenario would be pretty dramatic. Maybe then. Yes, yes, it would be. Uh, uh, but they got burgled. That's still that's still worth a, a checking out of the wrestling over. It is. Yeah, the burgle might the burgle might rustle. <laughs> uh, we got to talk about the rest of the things we need to talk about before this podcast goes off the rails. Just two hours mm-hmm. of nothing. Um, yeah. Paul. Uh, <clears throat> I went to see the smile. Talking yeah. about what what could very well be my album of the year. It's my album of the year in terms of like importance to me. Yeah, uh, it's like hard not to choose yeah. new Radiohead. Yes, <laughs> which it is. It just is. Yeah. Uh, but the um, I saw them at a venue in D.C. called the Anthem, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, a great, great space. Never been before, but it's like a very big. Um, it's it's a big box, but it's all uh, it's all GA. Uh, even nice. you know, except for a few you know seats on the balcony, but even the balconies are GA. Um, mm. And nice raised stage, just a good spot. Uh, <clears throat> and it's great to see uh, Radiohead uh, members Tom York and Johnny Greenwood, uh, as as well as t- drummer Tom Skinner. Uh, mm-hmm. You bad the smile. Uh, great to see them up close again uh, instead of in an arena. Um, Radiohead probably puts on the only truly tolerable arena show these days, but still um, nice to be able to see their faces. Uh, yes. And the show was, uh, you know, it was fucking great. I don't think anyone's going to be surprised to hear me say that, but <laughs> um, all these songs, you know, with the, the jazz drummer and, you know, Tom and Johnny freely switching between, you know, they both play bass. They both play guitar. They both play, you know, keyboards and weird instruments at times. Sometimes. Switching. Are there any? Uh, are there any other mu- like touring musicians with them? Um, they had an experimental uh, saxophonist open for them. Um, okay. Which no, but know, I mean like performing on stage with them during their songs. You know, that's so. I'm going to say he uh, he came out for um, uh, yeah, I would say like four or five of the songs, okay. and added some some horn flavor. Yeah. Um, damn but yeah but basically the three guys um, yeah and it was a, it was a lot looser um mm-hmm. and and just had these raw edges that i think um <coughs> uh the album album might lack a, a little bit album might mm. be a little too controlled uh because they can really play 
Yeah, you know, that could be. Maybe they maybe they should do they should dash off an EP where they like really let it loose like in the studio like just Yes. You know. Well, like they were an actual garage band just trying to make loud shit happen. They did uh release an EP of some of their live uh, of of one, you know, part of a live performance from this tour. Mm. Which sounds really good and, and is a good way if you want to get an impression of it, you can listen to that. The the quality is extremely high. The sound, the uh, recording quality for a live recording, um, well mixed, as you might say. Uh, hmm. But <clears throat> yeah, they had a fantastic uh, light show too. They had these huge neon bars that seemed to you know i guess like each was like maybe like uh like a few dozen pixels each but they just like you know flashed really brightly and and each song kind of had one or two colors only it was a great effect that's cool Mm -hmm. um yeah no that's awesome (laughs) yeah exactly but no uh sorry (laughs) i should have sold that better um no light show is always always critical uh or you know is cool when it's done well yeah for sure and uh radiohead does do a good job yeah usually um i'm trying to find when this live album is supposed to be released i'm looking at a press release about it now it's out oh it's out on spotify oh, december 14th okay yeah yeah i need to listen to that mm-hmm. yeah um uh but you know the highlights uh the the two th- the two specific highlights I'd give were uh, the the faster songs like uh, we don't know what tomorrow brings you'll never work in television again <laughs> uh, those were awesome like live yeah. uh, definitely um, you know they're they they go hard on the album but they were you know just actual full on rock songs live and then. You know the what the final song of the album, which is my favorite, uh, "Skirting on the Surface," which I think is like six minutes, uh, mm-hmm. was just uh, absolutely incredible live. You know, because it has all these different parts, and there was, uh, um, you know, Johnny really had a um, one of those transcendent solos uh, during that. That I think is again a little ref- little restrained on the album, uh, mm. but was had these harder edges live that made it even more beautiful that's awesome yeah Yeah. no i see what you i can i can see what you're saying i can imagine the more raw version that is even more Mm -hmm. awesome that you describe here yeah damn the smile well um it'll be interesting to see what happens next whether there's more radio real radiohead or more the smile in our future it's going to be a while. Radiohead's going to release something else. It's just going to be a while. It's going to be like. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a few well, years. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it'll just be, I guess I'm saying, you know, the whole, the whole uh, trajectory will be interesting to see. Like, you know, it's going to be once every 15 years or something. Like we get two more Radiohead albums total or something like that. And then they die. Very spaced out. I mean, somebody's going to die at some point. It's yeah, it's true. Five guys. Uh, I did, but, I did, you know. Uh, you know, you described it as uh, Tom and Johnny as the two, something like the only two imp- important members of Radiohead. Certainly the only two, like, super essential ones. Yeah. Well, I I think I was thinking about that. 
they're the they're only those two are essential for the like quality of music like uh-huh. 10 of 10 this music is so good but for it to yeah. sound like radiohead i think you also have to have ed doing weird sh- like really weird i agree uh, shit no they all guitar there's clearly those cl- guys are clearly doing good you know good and important things in the studio yeah um i guess like yeah suppose suppose you know phil died um yes would that next album be would we expect it to be radiohead worthy assuming the other four were on it you well know? yeah i don't know uh, yes in that's in that case you know yeah obviously uh, <laughs> obviously tom, tom and johnny would you know either them died. They, yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't be a radiohead uh, album but jesus that that got dark well, speaking of which, uh, two RIPs to throw out. One yeah. for Jeremiah Green of Modest Mouse. Always mm-hmm. loved him as a drummer. Uh, I was reading the Pitchfork obituary, and they quoted themselves uh, referring to him going from caveman bashing to disco skipping, which is pretty apt. He mm-hmm. uh, he definitely could do sort of both. Uh, you know, he could drive the hard rock parts and also do a fairly danceable. A beat during some of the other, you know, weird verses that Modest Mouse uh, will throw at you. And uh, always uh, really appreciated his drumming from the first time I listened to the band. So that sucks. Um, he was a, he's he's an essential member of that band to me. Um, otherwise, you're just doing Isaac Brock solo stuff, which is good but different. Um, and then uh, Gangsta Boo died. And she appeared on... At least one of the Run the Jewels albums and was a had her own career as well, but certainly for our purposes, we would know her through that. Um, on their on their most uh, their most sex rap focused song, she mm. was she was bringing the female perspective in a wonderful way. So, um, R.I.P. Gangsta Boo. Yeah, R.I.P. That's those are two uh, two losses, and of course, Christine McVie. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that one didn't happen like yesterday. No, no. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, the the rhythm section of Modest Mouse, which we have discussed before, is pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, It's absolutely. Yeah, I can't. I can't get. You know, the it goes. uh, It's rough and. I don't know. It just always felt like, even the even when they got to the disco stuff, it also always felt like you were in a sweaty small club with them. <laughs> Absolutely, um, no. Uh, Phil Eck, who I, I think recorded their first a couple albums, I could be wrong about that, but he uh, un- under his microphone, um, and then also Brian Dex on the third album too. Like mm-hmm. definitely, um, really captured a very, a very. Uh, you know, for an indie rock band, they almost had a sort of uh, soul swing to them in the rhythm section that um, you didn't often encounter with music of that period. So that's what I think I appreciated about them, mm-hmm. about Jeremiah Green's work so much. Yeah. Anyway, R.I.P. Uh, did he play on the tour they just did of the Lonesome Crowded West? That I did not was... know. I do not know. Because apparently he was dying of cancer. So if he yeah. did, he, he's a hero. That would be impressive. Um, yeah. didn't, didn't make um, it I assume, that, but 
I assume, yeah, neither did I. I assume he was on the tour because they only recently said, yeah, he's got cancer. So yeah. I would think if he weren't there, people would have been asking. Hmm. So dang. Um, I hope that was as good of an experience as it could have been. Me too. For all um, and now, um, selfishly, I'm uh, even more depressed. I didn't go see that show. I know. Uh, damn it. Um, Got to see Big Thief before you know one of them. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. I think I did not see him. Uh, I forget. I think he was at one of the shows I saw them at, but not the other because he mm. briefly left the band. Mm. But now I can't remember. Self-described anyway. nervous breakdown. Yes. Um, we all have them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of people who are still alive, uh, Billy Corgan. <laughs> huh. Uh I feel like we need to check in on his podcast. Have you been keeping up, Paul? Not at all. <laughs> yeah. I need to listen. I want. I think I still want to listen to the Tegan and Sarah one. That sounds too good. Yeah, still releasing uh, uh, Autumn um, uh-huh. one track at a time. The first disc is now available to stream uh, if okay. you're brave. I, I was going to queue it up and listen to it before this, and I just couldn't find the <laughs> mental space for that. Uh, it's uh, it's not very good. <laughs> At least a little bit I've heard. We should. Uh, I would like to cue up the song "Hooray" and listen to a few seconds of that, a few moments of okay. that, just for your reaction. All right. Where can I stream this? Uh, this music. That's on Spotify. Okay. <laughs> Come on, go. Rode her last night, could last some strange. She knew a wise, but would not follow. But Valentine arriving on her bay. Rose played the boxing, Rose gifted locking, Rose flowered out on the range. Alone in knowledge of life's great college, it's time. That's real. <laughs> That's real. Uh, um, I had not heard that before this. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> this yeah. is uh, this is like remember when we made of Arcade Fire's Reflector album? Yep. And how what what shitty bad disco it was. This is like ten times worse than that album. Oh yeah. This, this is just. <laughs> That is a terrible fucking song. This is so bad. Yeah, I it's, it's it almost the first time I heard it, I I almost enjoyed the experiment experience because I was so amused. Yeah, uh, by the silly <laughs> shittiness of it. Like, I mean, I. <laughs> 
I honestly don't understand how somebody could have like amazing musical taste at some point and then write that song and be like, this is good. Sending it out. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, um, I think the, the desire to make something interesting and the desire to make something good is just <laughs> no longer paired with any sort of faculties for self-reflection there. I, I just, I don't, <sighs> I don't understand. As that was just a, a, a miserable song. <laughs> yeah. So bad. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Uh, honestly, the waltz outro at the end I thought was the best part. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the dirt and dirt and dirt and dirt and like techno polka clown bullshit before that. Oh, my God. The paucity of, of interesting sounds um, yeah. is really striking considering if you're trying to make a synth song on a synth heavy album and you're just kind of using the default um yeah plugins there's Uh, one like the little uh thing was like you know kind of a cool sound but you know then it just that was it that was the whole idea Uh, (sighs) my point is you know the this stuff is like if you were just at this point in your career and like everyone, every few years you're like, yeah, we're still in the smashing pumpkins. We're going to throw an album out there. You just release it. You know, you don't really make a big deal out of it. Yeah. And you go on tour again. Nobody cares. Nobody cares if this song yeah. is on it along with the generic rockers. Yeah. Uh, but to have to have a 33 episode podcast about how this is yeah. a sequel to your, uh, best albums and spend hours explaining the plot. Yeah. Oh my God. Like just, dude, just the no. two episodes I listened to of the plot. And I was just like, what? He's like, all right. So we open up in a spaceship looking at the sun and our hero is deciding to kill himself because that's what you do in the society. And I'm like, part this, of it, this idea would have sucked if a middle schooler came up with it. Part of it is our fault because we we're not, uh, Billy Corgan isn't allowed to just like, go on right wing rants. So I feel like he has to express himself through <laughs> tortured uh, allegory. Yeah. Just the worst opera. Mm-hmm. Instead um, of being like cancel culture, culture is bullshit. <laughs> he should just do that. <laughs> he really should. <laughs> uh, Alex Jones is cooler than this. Uh, he may not be better, but he's cooler. Um, I, you know, I had some, I had more thoughts on why this is so bad, but you know, I, I don't, it's, it, it's kind of depressing to get into it all. It's self-evident. Uh, <laughs> I, I listen, if you listener heard that and were like, this is a pretty good song. I would listen to this a lot. I please write in. I want to know. Yeah. I want to know who, who this is for. And if you're, if you're a Smashing Pumpkins mega fan who likes everything they do, no matter what, then not you, please don't answer. Um, uh, Paz, uh, Paz LeContin, uh, who mm-hmm. was the bassist for the Billy Corgan, Jimmy Van, Van Zwan, who we saw play mm-hmm. with them. Um, she was a member of the band by the time we saw them. Um, she was recently interviewed in Rolling Stone cause she is the, uh, she's the new Kim deal in the Pixies. It's pretty much like the new permanent. Oh, really? That's where bassist. she ended up. Yeah. Um, which, hey, good for her. Yeah. <laughs> that is a sweet gig. Yeah. Um, 
Another band uh, that cannot release good music anymore. But yes, go on. Yeah, but they're but see that's it. No, who cares? They're just they're they're much more <laughs> chill about it. That's true. They are. They are not releasing a whole podcast about every song on the album. Um. <clears throat> uh. She talks in an, uh, a Rolling Stone interview about her time at Zwan mm-hmm. and how um, uh, Melissa Oftemar, who is the replacement for Darcy and the Pumpkins, kind of got kind of hooked her up with Matt Sweeney and uh, we're playing, you know, how she kind of got into Zwan. Um, uh <clears throat> And apparently, like, uh, you know, she was in a perfect circle before that, (coughs) right before James Eon joined. And she said, now I'm quoting for the interview. He's like, we did a little switcheroo. He's kind of passing by and going, whispering, I wouldn't maybe be doing that. A lot of people were like, be careful. Which I like the idea of James Eon kind of whispering to her, like, do not go work with this crazy person. (laughs) (laughs) Um. That's great. Yeah, and she talks about how Billy uh, sort of stole a very valuable antique coloring book from her, which is great, great Billy's, like, kind of uh, gaslit her that, no, he was, <laughs> it was his. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh. He gets into that, and, you know, but um, <clears throat> let's see. Um, it's funny if James Eha was telling people not to join <laughs> Billy's band. And then later it was like, I guess I'll go back and join Billy's band again. Ah, uh, you know, if you mellow and the money's good enough. Yeah. Uh, with that, it's like, okay, you left a you left a firm on bad terms, and later they're like, hey, come back to this better position. We'll pay a lot. You're like, you go to your therapist, you get stronger drugs, and you're like, sure, <laughs> let's do it. And Billy does seem like his monomania on his podcast now does seem more chill. You know, mm-hmm. he's just. He just has no perspective, but he doesn't seem like he's yelling at anybody about it. Pat says, I had two very disciplinary parents that were like, practice, do this. I do fine with dictatorships in a sense. Billy was very controlling and I was okay with it. It's like a fetish, like how people like being whipped. Okay. (laughs) Um, There you go. All right. (laughs) Wrote 200 songs. Um, Let's see. Uh, Wow. Let's see. Here's... Um, this is the money quote. Uh, the question. You did a huge world tour in 2003. The schedule is pretty brutal. How did that go for you? Paz. I'm just going to be blunt. If anyone is in the ring with Billy Corgan, it's Billy Corgan. He's been competing with himself since Siamese Dream came out. It was really affecting him. He was able to sell 16 million records in the CD era. Now we're getting into another era in the early 2000s. This era is not about that. Yeah. The Napster era. Um, that yeah. decline was affecting the 16 million record people that were in the ring with themselves to make a better record. Uh, ah. I think that era was affecting him. That's a nice way of looking at it. Cause even if people were still buying records in 2002, uh, I don't think Zwan was going to sell as many. Yes. Uh, oh no. I mean, <laughs> all that was, like but really yeah, collapsing. absolutely. Um, it, that's why it sucks to get uh, attached to metrics if you're an artist, man. Like, And especially metrics of popular uh, success. I guess if you're Billy, it, it's understandable that you would have gotten the idea in your head that it's possible to produce, you know, really, t- you know, great art for art's sake and be super popular. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
that is a rare combo, man. Tough yeah. to repeat. Um, it is. And, uh, yeah, you're never going to be uh, that young and insane again uh, to be able yeah. to create it. It's just... And you're never going to keep the public's attention that perfectly for that long. Even, yeah. like, Radiohead is a niche act at this point. Like, yeah. They're not... Well, they're, they're headline festivals, but yes. But they're... But, yeah, I mean, they're not, like... Like, Beyonce is somebody that, like, anybody from... Anybody yes. in the yes. world would know right. a Beyonce song, you know? Right. Whereas Radiohead is, like, I would... I would, I know lots of people that I think would not be able to na- even name a Radiohead song. Yeah. Um... What's wrong with those those people? That's how you, that's how you know you're with the wrong people. Um, well, it's like my parents. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, the interview ends. Uh, the 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 Zwan part of the interview ends with her saying that uh, Billy released a uh, message saying that the band is breaking up without telling them, and it was the same day that <laughs> it was the same day that Paz's brother killed himself. <laughs> what the fuck? This is fucked up. That's that's terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. They kind of they don't they don't return to it in an interview. And I'm like, that's the most fucked up thing I've heard about this in a long time. So, yeah. you know. like, I, I guess I would have dealt with the band breaking up a week later. Yeah. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa fuck. Ah, rock and roll, man. Yeah. Jesus. R.I.P. That guy. Yeah. Um, huh. Well, we stood in a bookstore near her that one time. We did. And uh, yeah, I think I think that explains a lot about why this album sucks. I think there's still there's still <laughs> remnants of going after trying to sell 16 million copies of something. That's just it's dem- it's just crazy to me that that he can't get over that. But um, yeah. the rather than listening to Billy's podcast now, just go uh, go to Starla.org and read old Billy interviews from the 90s because they are hilarious. Yes. That guy was roasting everybody all the time. And at the time, he was right. Uh, he was. Um, but sometimes people who were once right, they become wrong. Um, it does happen. Okay, we've got a t- couple uh, albums to talk about here, which we need to because this podcast is getting long. Yeah, it's way too long. Let's just go through them. Okay. Um, yours first or mine, Joe? Let's do yours. All right. This is... Uh, this would be There Are Ghosts by the band Karate. So quiet. Oh. Sorry, I don't know what happened there. So quiet. I can hear that the refrigerator is on. And I can hear the fabric from your sleeping bag. Now it sounds against someone else's floor There was a small riot That kept me up till dawn It seemed someone had something to say The rest of the party out on the lawn Who called? What the hell did they say? Get off the telephone
All right, that was the first track from the album The Bed is in the Ocean by Karate. An album released in 1997, uh, which was a year when I was 15 and 16 years old. And I would have I would have liked this album then and only just discovered it a few months ago. Um, uh, I will say, you, Joe, this how is did a, you discover it? Uh, it was a Pitchfork uh, retro review. There you go. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, definitely by the time I was in college would have been super into this kind of stuff. Mm. I think, uh, this is a case though, where I recommended it to you. I was like, ah, this is awesome. And then I re-listened to it. I was like, this is very good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but, um, you can sort of see in just the part we played just now, sort of the method of the album. Uh, it's, it's the three guys. Occasionally there's a second guitar overdub. Uh, but I think other than that, it's just uh, the three dudes, and um, uh, it's both got uh, a really good sort of indie groove, indie rock, like from the '90s type of thing, complete with the the completely atonal singing. Um, and uh, but then it's got a little bit of a they go into sort of a little math rock jazz type of thing right at the very end of the guitar lick in that song there. Mm-hmm. Um, something that gets faded out a little bit when they crank up the distortion at the end of the song. Um, but yeah, uh, overall just a band that does really good 90s style indie rock, uh, adds a little bit of musicianship to the typical formula and, um, can rock it out pretty hard. Um, I would say on this album, at least that is also pretty much their only move. Um, but it's Mm. a very good move, a very good set of moves. Yeah. Yeah, I wondered if you're going through some angst. (laughs) No. No, it's just like one of those things where like, you know, I'm playing it while I'm working and then like the like the that first track when it builds to its crescendo at the end, like all of a sudden like holy shit, man, this is really good. Yeah. Um and then like I said, you know, on on closer inspection, I would say still excellent album and could be really, you know, any uh particular people's taste, but um uh I, I, I'm curious to check out the extensive rest of the karate discography to see if they have other uh, interesting ideas as well, besides the ones on this album, which are excellent. But like I said, kind of just that thing, which is good. Yeah. Um, I thought the vibe was <clears throat> something like bits of Songs Ohio and uh, also Slint. Um, yes. <clears throat> you know, the more kind of confessional singer tone of the of the first and then the uh meandering but building rock of of slint yeah um, and also the vocal style is very slinty yeah i don't know um actually don't never really thought about how emo adjacent slint is i guess pretty adjacent mm. I, to me when i first listened to this I, I mean i thought it was like a classic emo album then i was like you know no, I guess it's not emo, and it's also like I can kind s- of pre the emo in the '90s was a lot weirder than this. Yeah, um, I I see why you thought that, but I yeah. I wouldn't have thought emo until you said it. Yeah, um, and <laughs> we I'm have also, to check with the emo council. Yeah, we we should. I I I bet my bet is that they would say this was emo, but um, I'm gonna say no. <clears throat> we'll have to see. Kit, um, I'm I'm checking right now, Check now as we yeah. speak. Uh, karate. 
It's a very emo band name. Yeah. That you mentioned it. Oh, my God. They say karate is an emo band. Ha. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Yeah. I would never have thought that, which, again, perhaps just demonstrates that I have a very loose grasp on what emo is. Well, it's got, yeah, and that sort of uh, that clean live tone, like the band is in your living room. To me, mm-hmm. that's very emo. The tone is emo-ish. Yeah. Yes, I'll give you that. And also, I should say, forgetting the emo thing for a minute, that also is just sounds great. Uh, <laughs> I do yes. like, I did like that, um, you know, how built into, uh, you know, these intense crescendos. Uh, mm-hmm. The next song, The Same Stars, I think that was my favorite. And just yeah. <clears throat> listening to albums like this, <clears throat> it's, you know, the bar now is really high to like affect me just because I'm not in yeah. contact. And there's so, and there are just angst. so many albums we've been listening to, uh, trying to do this kind of thing. Yeah. And I have to say this decades. one, this one did get me, you know, back there a bit. I was, I was glad to, it was like, this is, this is some good angsty yeah. rock. Um, you know, I was, yeah, when they rock out, they bring it, you know? So yeah, that helps. I was listening to, um, <clears throat> a classic emo album called just married by Glocko, Glocko Maria, something like that. Glocko. Hold on. I wow. Hate not getting it. Glocko Mora. Um, okay. But was so just as a contrast that that it was, it was a good album, but it was so like pop punk angst of like 10, 15 years ago that I was like, I can't, you know, <laughs> it's like listening to saves the day. Now I'm like, I, I liked this music then, but I just, I can't get kind of angry, angry, sad about, you know, a girl at a party. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anymore. I know that feeling and it bum. It's like, I don't know whether to be bummed out about like, uh, yeah, not being able to access that particular form of artistic transcendence, but instead you, you know. just get into jazz. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say beauty can still get me in other ways, and jazz yeah. maybe. Maybe I did buy a Cannonball Adderley vinyl from the used store the other day. Mm, that's um, how it starts. It, it's gonna it's sound good. great on your system. <laughs> it's good. It's very good. Um, it feels like it was a popular album at the time. Yeah. Um, no, I need to get uh, a Love Supreme on vinyl because that's that's the best jazz album that I know of. There there may be better ones, but that's the best one I know of. Yeah, I think, um, in my opinion, like some of the the classic seventies Miles Davis albums are the best. Ooh, yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah, Bitches Brew. Yeah. I would love to listen to that on yep. vinyl. Um. Yep, that's all I had to say about karate. I'd recommend uh, yeah. that if you like what we're talking about here, take a listen. If you liked the one minute we played, you will you will like the rest of the album yeah. because that's what it is. Um, um okay. Let's uh let's wrap it up uh with one more album um that I uh offered. Um Yes, sir. I still don't tell me a song. Uh, uh, play it. <clears throat> the album is called Seve Deste Aki. Uh-huh. Oh man. Um, by, uh, uh, Mab Frati. Mabe Frati. Yes. Oh man. I wish I, I need to, I need to have, find someone saying her name. 
Um, we can we can look this up. Yeah, we could. Um, <clears throat> let's I mean, listen to. Um, one moment here. Okay. I'm I'm brushing my fingers over the track. Let's, let's listen to uh, Algo Grandioso. Algo Grandioso by Mab Mabe Frati. Something like that. Anyway. uh, By, uh, she is a Guatemalan cellist. 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 How did I say cellist? (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Well, I'll just keep it. She's made of cells. Um, Yeah. uh, Um, uh, would, Would that mean very large algae? That's my guess. Cellist. That's my translation. Yeah. No, Al- Algo Grandioso, I'm saying. Oh. Uh, I'm, it's a bad joke. Please don't respond. <laughs> I was just trying. Let's move on. Let's move on. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, as um, uh, it may surprise you as someone who likes... Uh, Jenny Haval, Julia Holter, Juliana Barwick, uh, Sylvan Esso, Little Dragon, uh, throw uh, Joanna Newsom, uh, <clears throat> um, hell, even Regina Spector, uh, that I uh, was into this album of a uh, woman singing uh, over a weird, uh, some some weird kind of experimental yet still poppy uh, instrumentation in the background. Um, you consider yourself a Bjork fan? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yes. That um, might be, she might be the Ur figure in this genre. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I, um, I, I think I had a pretty similar experience <laughs> uh, to you. Um, 
with this album um, that you had with Karate in that the first time I listened to it, I was like, oh my God, yes, fucking awesome. And the second time <laughs> I listened to it, I was like, oh yeah, that's this is pretty cool. I like this. This is, you know, it's it's uh, uh, beautiful and interesting. Um, very good, then amazing. Um, but uh, I did like um, that she used her cello, uh, some might mm-hmm. say cello, um, in a variety of um, interesting ways, plucking it um, traditionally, um, you know, more traditional arrangements, um, some, you know, using feedback on it um, or just manipulating it electronically. Like, um, that was really cool. She got a lot of different sounds out of it. And there were, um, in particular, I liked that there were a lot of soundscapes, um, even within songs, and they just, they really changed direction um and uh got weird yeah the cello is uh, merely uh one part of her palette not yeah like even necessarily the dominant one even though it's probably the most commonly used one the song um, we played is probably the most accessible on the album or one of them i'd say yeah that's the other thing is some of it is a lot weirder than that yes. that we listen to including like the first track yeah um so um yeah i kind of uh uh i see what you're saying i don't I I uh how do I put this? I it's really good. Um yeah. I think I would see I would see the case for it if somebody did say like you initially felt this is amazing. Um honestly I was kind of I put it on one more time this evening to listen to uh while I was uh doing other stuff. Um so just having it in the background and um it's definitely it's it's super interesting music. Like it it definitely grabs your attention even when you're not trying to listen to it. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, just generally um I could imagine her writing a slightly more um melodically harmonically integrated album that would be awesome. Um uh, this is very good, and I will I will listen to it some more. It's actually really good. You know, maybe even on the tenth listen, it gains, uh, you, you gain appreciation for it even more, because um, she's got. Uh, it's definitely not boring. It's definitely, if anything, too creative to be uh, appreciated, as opposed to just sort of, um, you know, like a lot of the the people who. Like there are other cellists besides Joanna Newsom who are good, but I don't find them weird enough mm. to get into. Um, it's sort harpist, of just pretty. Yeah. 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 Did I say cellist? I mean, harpist. Yes. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, yeah. Like it's just sort of pretty or beautiful, rather than um, having that extra thing beyond prettiness that you need. Um, and I think. Uh, if anything, she's more on the the weird rather than the pretty end of the spectrum, which I think is the better one to be on. So, um, uh, she's definitely cool, and I will continue to follow her. And also, she seems to have some other uh, stuff out there, so I'll look into that too. Yeah, that's I. I think I wonder if her previous album is um, <clears throat> more or less weird. I'm going to guess more weird. Yeah, uh, less accessible. Yeah. So like how Sufjan had that super weird electronic mm-hmm. album before anybody knew who he was. Yeah. Um okay, I'm going to listen to this thing that tells me how to pronounce her name. Let's see if it if it Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, I don't I think this is automatically generated cuz it just said Mabe Fratty. Oh. 
Yeah, no, terrible. Not right. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, hold on, hold on. Let se ve desde it. aquí. What would that mean if you were here? Uh, I'm your guess. It's your probably not. intuition is as good as mine. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up. This is a riveting podcast. Ooh, Here I found go. I found a YouTube of her playing in a castle. Um, okay, let's. I'm just trying to find like a a live show where someone introduces her. Always a good move if you're a weirdo indie musician to play in a castle. Paul, you should definitely uh, check out a video or two of her. Uh, if you, uh, scene... if you understand what I'm saying here. <laughs> I do. Uh, the name of her album is Seen From Here, according to a Google ah, Translate. Okay. I like it. Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, however it's pronounced, we're not going to, unless you, you're coming up with it right now, we're just going to, I think, sign off. Okay, I'm going to gonna see the if they say her name here. All right. Well, in the meantime, thanks for listening, everybody. We do have socials that I don't know if we really use, but the Insta for sure is on there. So hit us up. Yeah, uh, yeah. Insta is where to find us these days. Insta, yeah. Insta, Insta. Savage Beast Pod. Is that right? Yes. Um, I uh, did not find how to pronounce her name, but I did listen to about thirty seconds of her playing. Well, more like ten seconds of her playing like a solo performance on her cello and singing, and it seems to kick ass. Okay, they, that could be really good. Yeah. All right, um, I'm gonna go with Mabe Frati. That sounds good to me, and uh, we'll All be right. sure to add it to the description of this podcast. We figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go cough a lot. So. All right. Um, yeah. You do that, Joe. Good night. Thanks for recording, buddy. Yeah. Good night. You. You too, buddy. Here, let's listen to some more music. (laughs) Bye. Bye.